Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Well, good day, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is by you. Welcome to Line Drive Radio, your favorite baseball podcast. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the board here on Long Island in the great state of New York, as always. And it's time to bring in my Line Drive Radio teammate from the great state of Illinois and the great city of Chicago, Mr. Tab Bamford. Tab, what is going down in Chi-Town? You know, uh, mostly the White Sox, um, and at this point, the Cubs as well. So, uh, you know, at least we can look forward to football season. Uh, can you? And, and looking forward to uh, joining Tony LaRusso at the Art Buffet at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Nice, nice. What, are they, what will they be serving there? Any, I'll, I'll come if they got avocados there. Yep. Oh, there'll be avocados, but you got to pay extra for those. Uh, it's like Chipotle. No, we're 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 really excited about the uh, the chicken fried steak, uh, mashed potatoes, uh, and obviously Jello for dessert. Ooh, way too much starch and sugar there, buddy. You gotta look out for yourself, man. Gotta well, look, you know, especially if you're gonna be by like seven, you. you might as well have a good reason. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Well, here we are, buddy. Another episode, another week in Major League Baseball. Never a dull moment, and uh, I guess we can. Uh, just jump right into some of the headlines here that we're, uh, you know, uh, doing here at the beginning of every show these last couple of weeks. And um, it's funny how, well, you know what, we'll, we'll just get into it because there's, there's a lot of things. What I want to say is a lot of the stuff that we've been, we've been kind of doing, like, what do you think is going to happen? And then it happens. And, and this is what's great. Every week we get to come kind of swing back to the episode before, which is a lot of fun. But first... Um, you wanted to bring up um, the exciting All-Star game in Major League Baseball, which happens in July every year. Um, and where is it this year, Tab? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I think this year they're actually giving it back to L.A. because the Dodgers were supposed to have it in 2020. Uh, See, that, I didn't think I would stump you there. And, and granted, I should be prepared. Yes. I should have known. To find out where the location was. But you know what? In these days of, uh, you know, political hellfire, I mean, the, the All-Star game could always be moved at any moment, as we've learned. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, no, you know, Los Doyers, uh, as our buddy Dennis Bernstein will call them, it's with a Y, not a DJ in the middle, <laughs> or DG in the middle. Um, Los Doyers, uh, the fight in Fernando Valenzuela's. They will host it this year because they were supposed to host it during the pandemic shortened season, um, which will be fun, you know, because we need to talk about the Dodgers more, apparently. 
And the National League hasn't hosted it in like 11 months. So we should probably do it there again. No, I mean, it, this, is a, this is a cash grab for the cities that host it, even though Dodger Stadium isn't in some kind of a metroplex surrounded by businesses that are going to immediately benefit, like, you know, the Nationals ballpark or, you know, now like in Detroit or, or the Cubs who haven't hosted it since the first Bush was president. Um, so, you know, you're going to L.A., uh, the best team in the National League is going to host. Good for them. Uh, and uh, the thing that's kind of ironic, you know, we talked about last year, the Yank, as you said, about moving the game. Last year they pulled it out of Atlanta uh, to have, uh, you know, it in a different locale, which worked out great because it, visually it was a striking all-star game. But, um, you know, then the then the Braves go in the World Series. So if you're the Dodgers, maybe you're like, "Hey, Governor, do something stupid." So they pull it out of here. So we've got some positive juju happening here, and we can go win a World Series. Maybe that's what it takes. Uh, I mean, the Angels probably wish that it was moved out of their stadium so they could win a game, uh, which will we're going to blowtorch that situation in the, in the show here. But you know, it's exciting when the All Star belts come out. I think it's kind of. You know, it used to be that you'd go to the you'd go to the ballpark and you'd grab like a stack an inch thick and you'd sit there for two innings punching holes with the little golf pencils that they sell you for seven dollars, uh, and then you'd stick them all in the box at the ballpark when you leave. And now you can vote five times a day uh, per email address. So for those of us with work email addresses and burner <laughs> accounts, Kevin Durant, you know, you go out and you vote like forty times a day, uh, but you can vote. And what, what's exciting for folks that listen to us here on Line Drive Radio is uh, next week, as we get into the middle of June and we're a little more than a third of the way through the season for most teams, Paulie and I are going to give you our picks at this stage for who you should vote for. We're going to tell you how to vote, people. How many Yankees uh, can I put on this list, Tap? Uh, well, you don't vote for pitchers, though I would say – Nestor Cortez and that amazing lip sweater his should be not only on the roster but strongly considered to start though I think that the power of Zippy will probably give it to Verlander at this point but uh but you know you've got uh, you got a DH spot so you got nine spots to vote for I would imagine you could probably make a case for you know between three and nine Yankees to be right. starting just so I know just so I know but I, I will try and not be biased in my selections Oh, I I can't be biased in Chicago. Yeah. Oh wow. Mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah. But like, real quick on on Dodger Stadium. First of all, have you ever been there? I have. It's amazing. Unless you're taking an Uber, uh, if you're going to the game and you're going to park, wear comfortable shoes that you can walk in because it, you you could theoretically park an actual mile from the stadium on the property and walk uphill to get there. But you walk into the stadium on the top level and then you go down to your seats. It's really amazing. And you got the palm trees in the background and the mountains. And it's, one of it, my it's a really, stadiums. it's a unique, really special place to watch baseball. And the sight lines are great. So I got to get there. I've been to LA, but I haven't been to Doyer Stadium, as DB calls it. But uh, it's a great spot for a game, man. Great game for uh, some baseball. And I tell you what, man. Um, been seeing some crazy stuff in my little league uh, last couple of games, and I've, it's forced me to continue to use 
Jack Buck Sr.'s um, great saying after Gibson hit the home run. I don't believe what I just saw. Just real quick, we had our first baseman the other day in, in the bottom of the seventh inning. Foul ball down the first baseline. He goes to run to get it. Trips on the first base. Falls down. Face first. Glove reaches out. Ball falls in his mitt. Out. The entire... And everybody just went, are you kidding me? Did you, did you ask him for... <laughs> To randomly select six numbers between one and seventy, and then immediately go find your local bodega to buy a couple uh, tickets for the umpire Powerball. says to me, he goes, "20 years I'm doing this, I've never seen anything like that. It's unbelievable, fun stuff." Yeah, give that. Don't give that kid any fiber because you don't want the horseshoe to fall out. No, not at all. All good stuff. But anyway, uh, yeah. So looking forward to uh, uh, getting into the All Star ballots next week. We'll have a lot of fun with that and picking that stuff, uh, and we'll go from there. So. Here we are. Um, you want to bop around a couple of uh, noticeable headlines that's going on here, and you want to start in Houston, uh, a team very near and dear or not to both our hearts, and that's the Houston Astros with a signing. Yes, uh, you should play the touchdown song from Green Bay uh, anytime you discuss the Astros. The old uh, <laughs> classic, I don't want to work, I want to bang on the garbage can all day. Nice! Um, the uh, the Houston Astros made some news. Uh, they gave their young slugger Jordan Alvarez a six year one hundred fifteen million dollar extension. Uh, you know, less than twenty million a year average. Um, which I think you look at some of the deals that these young guys are getting that have some you know control left uh, and some term left on their existing deals. A lot of teams now are looking to lock core guys up or guys that they view as being part of their core longer term. Alvarez has established himself as a premier bat in all of baseball. So this is, you know, a great deal for both. This is life changing money for Alvarez's entire family. This is multi-generation wealth, obviously, uh, if he plays his cards right. And for the Astros, they've got a guy who absolutely mashes uh, locked up now long term. And when you look at how they've other Players have left the organization. Garrett Cole leaves to go to the Yankees. He was a rental, but he still left. Carlos Correa, who many thought would never leave, moves on to Minnesota. I think that this is a big move for the Astros to make sure that they keep him in place. Because, look, you know, Jose Altuve is not getting younger. Alex Bregman's not getting younger. I'm not saying that they're done, but certainly Altuve, I think, is at least starting the back nine. Uh, and Bregman's probably looking for a beer card around six or seven right now. So, you know, having Alvarez locked up for six years is going to extend their uh, window in the American League West, and it's a great deal for both. Again, can't argue with, you know, generational wealth going to a player and a team making a strong commitment to a young guy who's shown them that he can hit pretty much anything that's thrown at him. So, uh, good for Houston, good for Alvarez. I think it's a great deal for both. And you don't, I don't think we're going to look at this in like 90 minutes and say, man, that player got screwed like Ozzy Albies did in Atlanta, who signed a multi-year extension and probably could be making 25 or $30 million a year right now, and he's getting less than 15. So great deal for both. Good for the Astros for you know getting a guy to commit and giving him money that makes sense. And I, I feel great for Alvarez, who's worked his tail off, and now he got paid. So 
good for him. And, uh, and the reason that that's important is our third headline today is I've been banging the drum for Seattle uh, for a while now. And my preseason pick for the American League Rookie of the Year here on Line Drive Radio, Julio Rodriguez, got off to a slow start. Uh, in fact, Harold Reynolds on MLB Network said, send him down. And everybody else on the set said, you're nuts, Harold. Let him hit. It's going to turn around. And sorry, Harold, uh, Mariners legend, Harold Reynolds, most infamous for getting thrown out from the track by Bo Jackson. Um, Julio's turned it around. Uh, slash 205, 284, 260 in April. It was tough. Lots of strikeouts. Lots of people dumping him on their fantasy teams. May, he had a great month. 309 average, 527 slugging, six jacks and 17 ribbies. And in June, he is just crushing. 348 average, 444 on base, 522 slugging. He's now up to 17 stolen bases on the season. So he's running at will, which is a lot of fun. We've talked about old school baseball, create scoring opportunities. Seattle isn't where I think they'd want to be in the standings right now, but you have to be overwhelmingly encouraged by the progression that we've seen in about 10 weeks from Julio Rodriguez. And the reality that Seattle has these young guys like Rodriguez and Logan Gilbert, at some point they're hoping Jared Kalanick figures it out, but they're starting to plug all these young guys into their lineup and they've got more coming, you know, Houston has to be looking over their shoulder in the front office saying, you know, we are sitting on top right now. There are four teams that are 10 games over 500 as we record this on Thursday morning, Uh, three of them in the American League East and then the Astros. But if you're looking at the next five years uh, in the American League West, uh, I think you have to look at Seattle as the up-and-comer, and Rodriguez is going to be a huge part of that. And the fact that he has adjusted, usually a young prospect like with his type of talent, which we've seen from guys like Soto and Acuna and Tatis, will come out fantastic. And then pitchers will adjust, and they'll struggle, and they'll slump 10 weeks in. And then they'll have to make the adjustment. He came out of the gate like crap and figured something out. And that is really scary for pitchers in the American League because I told you on our preseason show that this is a kid that's got the talent to be in that conversation with guys like Tatis and Acuna for the most exciting young players in baseball. He's 21 years old. He won't turn 22 until four days after Christmas. And he is making it look incredibly easy after really struggling to start his major league career. So... Full marks to Julio Rodriguez because he is doing some things. And that America, as much fun as it is, Paul, for us to talk about the American League East, and rightfully so with how the top three teams are playing in that division, I think there's a lot of um, intrigue on the opposite coast because, uh, and we're gonna, again, we're going to you know, get out the blowtorch for the Los Angeles-Anaheim fighting Southern California, whatever you want to call them, angels, um, you know, the university closest to the Lombard area. They, uh, the angels obviously have a very expensive roster and two of the best players on the planet, and they're struggling, and Seattle's coming, and I think the angels, the way that they've spent money, believe that they're in their window right now. Uh, so you've got four you know, three or four teams out there in Texas. Again, they got a lot of young kids coming that aren't there yet. And they spent a ton of money. 
on Seager and Simeon. So the West is, I think, trending to maybe next year and the year after be being what we've talked about the American League East being this year, and that is you've got four teams that are going to beat the you-know-what out of each other, and good luck winning it because even even the bottom feeders are going to be interesting out West in the very near future. Yeah, well, hopefully they keep mixing it up here. So because, you know, line drive radio fans, you know, we don't want them to get tired of us, or at least me, bragging about the Yankees all year long, you know? So we need a little love. Well, I mean, the Yankees should do us all a favor and not be so damn good. <sighs> hey, hey, everybody said they weren't going to be good. Sorry. We, we just, you know, we just flipped the script here so far. 50-some five games in. Um, but it's a long road, as you know, you know? And this is what happened. But yeah. look, I, I think that's great. Look, me and you, since we started this podcast, one of the main reasons we did get together and start doing line drive radio was because of the the young talent that was entering the MLB, currently playing all across the league, both leagues, uh, the diversity of the players, um, the, the the personalities. Um, and, you know, me and you love small ball and, and the hitters and stuff. And guys like, you know, Alvarez here and Rodriguez are just two great um, – you know, players that you bring up uh, to, to just reinforce, you know, the, the state of the game. I remember, you know, you saying when we first doing this, the podcast too, when we first started, say, you know, pay attention to Major League Baseball here uh, going forward because there's just an incredible pool of talent. And, and you do a great job every week uh, of bringing uh, these young guys up and, and making a point to, for all of us to pay attention. And and it's great. And, you know, I, I've always talked on this show about, you know, I don't know where Major League Baseball gets his money, but man, twenty-four years old, getting bank, twenty-four hundred fifteen mil. Thanks for coming. So it's it's a uh, it's a great opportunity uh, to the point where me and me and the wife are now thinking, let's let's not go the hockey route, let's go baseball route with the little guy. Let's get him going. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the difference between the NHL and Major League Baseball is uh, salary cap. Yeah. Uh, the NHL, you can't spend, you can't smoke them if you got them in the National Hockey League. And in baseball, if you want to pay a luxury tax, God bless you, go get her done. But we have seen that just because you're spending a lot of money does not entitle you to a championship. Uh, and you have to continually, and this is true in any sport, you have to continually draft and develop if you want to sustain success. And you know, we've talked about the Astros a lot. There's the infamous Sports Illustrated cover with George Springer on it, proclaiming them the 2017 World Series champions five years before it happened. And then it actually happened. And George Springer was the MVP of the World Series. But lots of uh, certainly front office executives that have won will tell you that it is as hard, if not harder, to stay on top than it is to get there. And it's really damn hard to get there. And that's why, again, you look at these young guys that are coming up. Rodriguez is one of a crop of guys like Adley Rushman in Baltimore, Spencer Torkelson up in Detroit. Eventually, we're going to see a guy like Riley Green join the Tigers as well. C.J. Abrams in San Diego. You're going to have all these young guys. You know, uh, Gabriel Moreno, the number four prospect in baseball, a young catcher from Venezuela who's got a boatload of upside. Uh, looks like he's going to join the, the Blue Jays this weekend. Um so you're going to have a lot of young players coming up. And what makes it critical for a team like the Astros 
to be able to lock up a guy like Jordan Alvarez is, you know, they had Jeremy Pena sitting there as a shortstop that they believed in. So they didn't feel that it was mandatory to max out Carlos Correa because they had another option there, uh, which is a, which is a bold statement because Carlos Correa was a number one overall pick and an all-star and one of the faces of that franchise. But they clearly believe that Jordan Alvarez is a have-to-have, not a nice-to-have or even a kind of sort of need-to-have. He's a must-have. And so to get that deal done is huge. But Seattle's got guys coming now, and they have been through the tank. And now they're trying to come out of the muck uh, with these young guys all hitting at the same time and getting into their window. So this is what makes you know baseball fun is if you pay attention to the minor leagues and you see – you know, who these young guys are, and you start hearing tra- draft buzz now this time of year, uh, you start getting into who's the next wave of guys that are going to come up and help. And uh, that's where I think fans of teams that aren't good can start having a little bit of hope for the future. And uh, and I think in Seattle, the hope is starting to be a reality at the major league level because a kid like Julio Rodriguez comes up and shows you that he's legit. That's great stuff, man. Um I love it. Love to see it. And uh, and I love how you, uh, like I said, you bring great attention to it every week here on LDR. Tab, before we move on to the good and the bad this week at LDR, I have a question for you. Okay? Yeah. Are the Ides of June becoming or bestowing on the New York Metsies. Now, I said about a week ago that this month is going to be huge for them. June. They had a big schedule. The Dodgers. Split with the Dodgers. Took a pretty good beat in the last couple of games to the Padres. Uh, Alonzo's out. Monte's out. That, that Metsy kind of thing is starting to happen here uh, with the injuries and the freakish stuff going on and obviously with the schedule coming in June. So my question to you, Tab, are the Ides of June upon the Mets? No. Uh, <laughs> and I say that because, I mean, look, they're going to get DeGrom back at some point. They will get Scherzer back at some point, provided that he doesn't get bit by one of his dogs again. <laughs> um, you know, the Mets do have like a running joke that they find ways to make things interesting and they find ways to, you know not extend themselves beyond everything else in the division the way that the Yankees have. But here's the thing. The Mets have the same seven-game lead in their division that the Yankees do. And the difference here is that they haven't had a single pitch thrown at the major league level by Jacob deGrom yet. And sure, yes, they've lost their last two games as as we record this, but they're 6-4 and four in their last 10, which is – the same that the Phillies are, and the Phillies have won six straight. So over the last 10, even with a six-game winning streak, the Phillies are break-even with the Mets. The Braves have won seven straight. They're eight and two, but they're still seven games back. The reality is that the way that the Mets spent their money and didn't dump people, you know, they have, I think, a lot better organizational depth now than they did last year. And I think that they can withstand losses and they've shown that they can survive uh, without someone. You know, last year DeGrom goes down a couple of times, but he was 
put on the shelf for the rest of the year in early July, and they completely fell apart because you were asking Marcus Stroman and Taiwan Walker to, you know, fight out of their weight class, basically. But now you've got, obviously, Scherzer's on the shelf, but you've got Max Scherzer to carry some of the mail, and he certainly did that early uh, before he got uh, shut down for a little bit here. But then they went out and got Chris Bassett, who, as we said, could be an ace in probably 10 to 15 other cities. So you're not asking now Taiwan Walker to go up against the number one starter. You've got Bassett to offset that. And at some point, you'll have Scherzer to offset that. And at some point, you get DeGrom back, and then good luck. So, yes, you know, you're starting to get those fleaky, freaky and fluky injuries that the Mets seem to always have. But, you know, they don't have to be when you don't have to be playing J.D. Davis every day, and I think one of the big things for them was, and there are other organizations that could do this, when they DFA'd Robinson Cano and told him to go away, you're spending the money anyway. Open up the roster spot for someone who's actually going to provide value to the team on the field. And stop forcing your manager to have to do something with a guy who's paid his dues in the majors, you know, let McNeil go out there and play second base on a daily basis. Let him hit every day. He doesn't have to look over his shoulder if he goes 0 for 4 anymore. And that has allowed them to use a roster spot on someone else who can provide value. And, you know, not everybody's hitting as well as they would like. You know, they sent Dom Smith down to AAA to get some more at-bats. Maybe they give him a few days to figure it out, and then they bring him back if Alonzo's going to miss any kind of extended time. But... I mean, across the board, they just have better, I think, organizational structure, and they've got more bona fide major league bodies to fill the gaps here. You know, J.D. Davis is is decent enough to fill a role here and there. And so it's fluky, and it's the Mets, but I I still believe that they've got the staying power with what they did in the offseason to hang around. I do think the Braves are going to, be much better than they were to start the year. And that seven game win streak certainly indicates that I like the Braves a hell of a lot more than I like the Phillies because again, the Phillies and we're going to dig in on them uh, here in a minute, but just the defensive issues there. Yeah. They've won six straight and that's nice. And they become a little bit more interesting, but they are defensively atrocious. Um, And Miami has really underwhelmed and been a massive disappointment for me, but that pitching is going to play Sandy Alcantara last night. Uh, you know, I think it was Don Mattingly said he should be getting a bump uh, like they used to have when Jose Fernandez pitches because the dude is just flipping special. There's six games under 500 with a plus 18 run differential. So I think the Marlins will be there. I think that the Marlins and Phillies are going to beat each other up. I do think Atlanta is in that conversation with the Mets to be the best team in the division. Uh, and obviously, as the reigning champs, they didn't get off to a good start last year, and the cream rose to the top just in time. But And they're still getting a healthy Acuna back into the full flow of things, and every time he touches the ball, it feels like it's going 450 feet right now. So, um, But I think the Mets are just better positioned to have one or two or three fluky injuries and not completely derail everything. Like last year when Lindor and DeGrom were lost in July and the wheels fell off and they sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Which was just heartbreaking for us Yankee fans to see. 
And that's the only reason I'm asking. I just want to make sure that the Mets are and, okay. And look, for the and, Mets you know, fans, we, I just wanted you to clear it, clear it up for everybody that they're going to be okay. Well, and you know what? For as much as I make jokes about Tony Larusa and his ARP card uh, buffet dinner at four o'clock, <laughs> and as much as I, I still do not like him calling the shots for the Chicago White Sox. Buck Walter has been absolutely perfect for the Mets. This is a dude who blends gut with analytics, and I think he has been absolutely the right call for the Mets as a manager. And so, you know, kudos to Steve Cohen for knowing what he wanted and going out and, and paying to get what he what he felt like he needed. But I, I just I think you've got a manager who's been through this stuff before in Walter, and he's done it in New York, which is another huge thing. Like, you can go through it in Tampa and Arlington, Texas, and Denver and not be ready for the bright lights in New York. Uh, but Buck knows New York about as well as anybody. So, um, so good for the Mets. And you know what? Two game losing skid. It's not bad. They're still six and four in their last 10. There's, they've still got a great run differential. They're still, you know, keeping runs off the board fairly well. And they're 19 and eight at home. And that's the big thing. You, you need to win the games on your home turf. And if they keep winning two-thirds of their games on home turf, they'll be fine. All right, there you go. There you go, Mets fans. It's going to be okay. Tad says it's going to be okay. All right, it's time for the good right here at Line Drive Radio. And for the good this week, we're going to where the bad was last week. And that's the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. Oh, what a week it's been. There's a new guy behind the bench. Well, not new on the, uh, as far as the organization, but there's a new guy calling the shots, which I believe I predicted needed to happen last week, even though I love jumping Joe Girardi. He had to go, and he's gone. Tab, are you surprised it happened so quickly? Um, no. And like we talked about last week, if the team sucks, the, the easiest path of least resistance, scapegoats, the manager. Feels like Girardi wasn't vibing with his players out there. You've heard stuff from Bryce Harper since. And, you know, they won the last game that he was the manager, and then they've run off five in a row since. Uh, they beat your uh, fighting Bob Eukers in Milwaukee uh, 10-0 last night. So Gir- Girardi gets canned, and all of a sudden the bats wake up. Uh, you know, in, in the five games since Girardi uh, was relieved of his duties, they've outscored the Angels and Brewers 39-11. So you're looking at, you, good, know, was, you know, an average of eight, two finals. Pretty good. Um, so, again, like, it was inevitable that Girardi was going to get fired with the with the way that things were being spun out there. And when you look at how the players have responded, I think that it's obvious that the personality fit wasn't there. Um, with in in the room, Girardi wasn't working with the guys that he has. Um, and so, you know, we'll see where they go from here. But again, you know, for his good, and you know, we're giving them a little, you know, tip of the cap here for winning their last five and going from an ugly losing streak into a nice win run here, a six straight. Um, again, as I said moments ago, I think Philadelphia defensively is still going to cost their team games. And they've spent a ton of money to go for it, and that ton of money that they've spent going for it 
has been spent in a way that is really dependent on a couple people doing specific things like Bryce Harper playing right field. And with his rest of this year in question because of the elbow injury, if he can, if he's going to be required to be their designated hitter for the rest of the season, that's problematic because they are a gong show when they're trying to back their pitcher up in the field. So, but look, we gave Philly a lot of crap last week as a city, as a franchise, as a roster. And so, you know, at line drive radio, we try to be fully transparent and, uh, feel like at this time, and we've done this before, Paul, when we trash someone and they prove us that there's something there, we uh, we offer a, a modest mea culpa of sorts here. And so for Philadelphia last week, we trashed him for the rumors that Girardi was going to get canned. He did. They haven't lost a game since. So good for you, Philadelphia Phillies, for finding some offense and turning things around. Uh, I Again, I don't think that they're going to win the National League East. Uh, I think that they've still got massive flaws, and I don't think Girardi was the problem. And I'm not going to change anything that I said last week about the general manager should uh, be looking himself in the mirror now that Girardi's gone because he built a roster with a bunch of guys that should be a DH now playing his outfield and third base and first base. But they haven't lost a game. So uh, for us, uh, placing Philly in the bad category last week, uh, if you don't lose a game after we say that you're bad, we'll do the right thing by you and tell you that you're the goods next week. There you go. All right, well. I got to ask you, who's Rob Thompson's 38 years in the league now taking over for uh, jumping Joe Girardi? And I guess the question is here, and, and, you know, me and you are both hockey guys as well, too. I mean, this is nothing new, and, and even when we get into the good, there's also another managerial change out west. What, what does Philly do here? What would you do? What do you look at? Um, I mean, like I said, you feel it wasn't Joe Girardi, wasn't the entire problem here. Obviously, the team's got a lot of issues to turn around here. But what if they do continue to kind of kind of roll here? You know, as far as Dombrowski is GM here, what do you do here? Do you, do you looking to get somebody in here right away? Maybe who's got uh, a name, um, you know, a guy who's, uh, you know, run a, a, you know, you got a lot. Of, so you got a lot of big names, big money on this on this roster now. I mean, what would you do? What, how do you look at the Phillies right now? Do you kind of let this ride out? Or do you try and get somebody in here with a big name? Do you let it breathe? You know, it's like we, you know, obviously in, in yourself, uh, obviously covering the Chicago Blackhawks, what they've gone through the last couple of seasons, and now they're looking for a new coach. Uh, depending on where it is in the season, what kind of change you make. Sometimes, you know, the interim guy might come in here, do a pretty good job. You want to keep it stable. Um, obviously, it's working right now out of the gate with Thompson and Philly, and, and who knows, maybe the Phillies could be the good team we expected them to be, and maybe it really was Girardi. Who knows? But I guess uh, instead of me just kind of blowing wind on this anymore, what do you think the Phillies should do here in their current situation with the change after 10 games or so? Well, it's hard when you're you know approaching the middle of June to have a, the guy that you think is the guy available. If he's coaching somewhere else, it's hard to – it's, frankly, it's basically impossible to – uh, do that. Um, I don't know that unless they really feel like Bruce Bochy is going to be the guy and he wants to unretire and move across the country. I don't know that the right guy is just sitting out there like, Hey, I'm here. How are we doing now? Obviously when we get into the bed and we talk about the other coaching change in the league that 
there's a potential fit. Uh, I'm not sure that he wants to jump back in immediately and again, move across the country. But um, I think when you consider where they're at, you probably give Thompson some time. He's obviously been around this team enough that he knows the components and he knows what makes the different guys tick. They haven't lost for him yet. So obviously the, the voice in the room has improved some element in this situation. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Thompson wrote it out for the rest of the season. And then they look at really a, a more significant look. And, and you brought the Blackhawks who fired a debacle of a coach uh, earlier this season and rode out the rest of the way with Derek King as an interim head coach. I kind of feel like that's where the Phillies are at right now. It's, you know, these we the front office obviously feels that the roster that they've paid for is going to um, improve if they've got the right voice and if they can stay healthy. Health, obviously, a big thing that I've already talked about with Harper, especially. But, um, but again, I, options that are available in mid June are incredibly limited. So I'm not sure that the right guy is going to be out there unless it's Bucci or, you know, Big Joe Madden. Um, And it's hard to imagine that either of them would want to come in on a multi-year deal mid-flow and try and fix something that's nine and a half games back. So Even with the kind of guys that are on this roster, the names? I think that that makes it even harder. Yeah. That's an even tougher sell. Because like I said, if you're a manager and you're evaluating, like, is this where I want the next stop? or in some cases, maybe the last stop on my managerial resume to be, do I want to go somewhere that's underperforming, underwhelming, and everyone in baseball knows what I'm like, I'm not breaking any kind of national secrets here. You know, I'm not going to, you know, be the next season of stranger things. Like they're (laughs) not good defensively. They're bad. Alec Bohm's got issues at third. Hoskins has issues at first. Their outfield is atrocious. So, again, like it, it's, that's going to be a tough sell to a, a managerial candidate to come in with a front office that, again, if this thing doesn't pan out, maybe the GM isn't in it long-term either. And when a new GM comes in, then you're looking at a new GM probably wanting his or her guy or gal to be the person in that seat. And so... I, I think if you're a managerial candidate, you would probably wait until the off season to see how other elements play out in Philadelphia before you would want to sign a multi-year deal. So if I was a gambling man, I would say I'd probably be, you know, 70, 30, 80, 20 that Thompson finishes the season in Philly. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. There. 70, 30, 80, 20. Okay. All right, man. I'm with you, but it's a good take and it's an interesting situation here for the Phillies. There's a lot of talent in that roster. Um, I'd like to see them turn around a little bit so they can give the the Metsies a little bit of pressure here uh, the rest of the way. But you're gonna, you're, wait, wait, wait for Florida to get it together and keep watching the Braves if you want pressure on the Mets. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot more confidence in those two teams. Even with where the Marlins are at right now, that pitching is going to play. I've got a lot better feelings about what they're doing in Miami and Atlanta than what they're doing in Philadelphia. Great, just see more people get in the stands in Miami too. That's a yeah, weird, that's a weird building. Have you ever yeah. been there, you know, Tab? I have. I, I was down really? there for the All Star Game uh, back in uh, what was that, sixteen maybe, sixteen or seventeen? Uh, yeah, I was down there for the All Star Game. I sat right across the aisle from Yasiel Puig during the home run derby. 
Um, Has it got any threat. kind of personality? Because it doesn't look like it does. He he's a he's a quiet individual. No, not yeah. him. The building. Oh, <laughs> that too. Well, you know they removed that ugly sculpture from center field. Now that's outdoors. Um, it, it's it's a really it's not a terrible stadium, but it's in a really awful spot. Okay, parking is atrocious. Getting there in a cab is hard. Uh, you know, Wrigley Field is in the middle of a neighborhood, so parking isn't great. It's what, worse in what Miami. Is it with, what it was? What is? It's like the same thing with UBS Arena here in Long Island. Like they built this gorgeous gem of a, an arena here, but the parking is horrendous. The trains aren't in place. It's an. It's like it's a nightmare to, to get in and out um, of the parking lots. I just don't get it. I'm laughing here listening to you talk about Dodger Stadium and now uh, with the Marlins play. It's like. Shouldn't there be some kind of pre? Shouldn't that be a really important part of any type of, uh, you know, architectural design for a stadium? Or is it really just like, well, let's just build it and that old edge? They'll come. We don't know how they're going to get there or get out of there, but let's just build it anyway. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Like, if you're going to build a new stadium anywhere, you should be able to have parking. Now, you shouldn't park a mile downhill from the stadium like the Dodgers have. But no, you should be able to get in and out relatively easily, and public transportation would be a great thing. What Wrigley Field has, you know, hundred and whatever, ten years old, hundred whatever years old, Wrigley Field has the L walking distance. It's a block less than a block from the stadium. Yanks and Mets have that too, man. Like, like people don't understand the reason that the Cubs fly a W or an L flag after the game is because decades ago when you didn't have the interwebs and you couldn't just hop out your phone on the L or the train ride home to the Burbs to figure out what the Cubs did, they <laughs> flew a W or an L flag so that the commuters passing by on the train knew what they did at 1 o'clock that day. That's awesome. So uh, so there, you at minimum should have a public transportation component. And with Miami, like there's literally like residential across the street from the ballpark. Like – People are selling driveway parking spots. Now, if you keep <laughs> averaging 9,000 people, the parking's okay because you're not fighting people for spots. But for the All-Star game, it was a complete gong show because, you know, you, you've got people coming from all over the country and all over the world, frankly, to see a spectacle, and you're waiting 55 minutes for a cab. I don't get it. So. It was a little it's, – it's a mess, but, you know, when they fill it, good fans, so we'll see what happens. This is great. And, folks, look forward to uh, me and Tab's new podcast coming out. Tab talks about a stadium because he's been there. It's coming up. It's going to be a, a sideshow for Line Drive Radio here. All right, so there's the good this week. The good is back in Philly, and we'll see how that goes. And now it's time to head out west for the bad this week on LDR. And man, we thought it was going to be so good. In the city of angels, where the Anaheim Angels are, whatever they're called, Los Angeles, are playing. Lots of talent again as well. Lots of big personalities. Lots of contracts. Big money. Uh, beautiful setting there. Um, the, the other team that's, you know, trying to make a big name for themselves in there and take some of the headlines out of the, uh, the Dodgers. Wind out of the sails. But it, they are making headlines, but it's all for the wrong reasons. Tab, take it away. What's going on uh, with these angels? Not so heavenly. 
Oh, I mean, look, maybe they need Tony Danza to come out of the bullpen. Um, Underrated baseball movie, Angels in the Outfield. Get the kids to watch it. Good stuff. Um, Actually, I was talking on a text thread about that movie. Like, the cast of that movie is ridiculous if you go look it up. But anyway, uh, so the Angels fired Joe Madden. And then they decided to go to Nickelback for a slump buster, and that backfired. <laughs> what is that? I mean, <laughs> at, at some point, you just got to do oh stuff here. Oh, my God. So the Angels, uh, like the Phillies, used a massive losing streak to give them cause for a termination. They had lost 13 straight before firing Joe Madden. Last night, they added a 14th. To the uh, to the streak here. Um, uh, during this fourteen game losing streak, the Angels have been outscored eighty five to forty. Not good. Two to one ratio. Not ideal. Um, but and six of the fourteen games that they've lost have been by one run. So you, you've got a team here that has a lot of star power with obviously Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon. Um, but it, the reality is that when you look at their roster, they should be further along than the Texas Rangers, but they feel a lot like the Texas Rangers where they've got A-level talent and then a bunch of scrubs. And, um, and so Joe Madden got the X. And interesting, you know, I, in our pre-show Kumbaya, I sent you some stuff from what Buster Olney wrote about Madden's termination uh, for ESPN.com. And what he pointed out was, you know, first of all, Madden was in the final year of his three-year contract this year. So most managers don't want to go in with one year left because it feels like a lame duck. And most people in baseball considered him to be just that based on the fact that the team had not really progressed, even with the money that they'd spent. And again, like Philly, there are flaws there. Rendon barely played last year. Trout barely played last year. Um, Obviously, Otani had a, a... otherworldly performance last year, but there are still issues there. And a lot of their young guys that they were banking on, like Joe Adele, have not clicked at the major league level yet. So you've got a roster that has flaws. They went with a bunch of lightning in a bottle pitching options again this year, like Noah Sendergaard, and have received some mixed returns there. Um, but then they're, you know, only brought up some other stuff here where some of his decisions on putting together lineups and, and pitching decisions had been questioned by people above him on the food chain out there. Um, He had, I guess, talked out of school a few times in spring training. He brought up the idea that Mike Trout might get some corner outfield play. And that hadn't been discussed with the player yet. And when you're talking about the player being Mike Blinken Trout, you talk to him before you say something to the media. Um, And the other reality, as I just said about Philadelphia, they, they brought in a new GM, Perry Maniason, It's not his manager. And when you're in the final year of your contract and you've got a new GM and things aren't going well, uh, you know, I'd hate to say that, you know, it's writing on the wall, but you've got a, you know, a full book being written on, uh, you know, wallpaper at this point and rolling it out, putting it up. So um, we wanted more for the Angels. Uh, Look, they still have a better record than the White Sox, even after losing 14 straight. They're still in second place in that division, but they've, it's been a really rough couple weeks. And when you're losing games by one run, that means that both the pitchers and the hitters aren't getting it done. They're not finishing the deal. And if they were 6-8 and eight and 14, you don't feel that bad. 
but they're 0 and 14 over that stretch. And Joe Madden is now chronically unemployed. So, uh, so here we go. They got Phil Nevin, you know, former number one overall pick, uh, taking over as the interim. And again, you know, now you've got a, a GM in his first year, which is the opposite of where Philadelphia is at. And we'll see what happens out there because, you know, I, I brought up Bruce Bochy not moving across the country, but if he's still hanging out in Napa, enjoying, you know, the vino, you know, him taking over a team that has star power and young players coming that, you know, has an owner that has still the ability to pay to fix some of these holes. Maybe that's a conversation that Boach would have. Um, but we're going to see if they can get off the schneid here at some point. Uh, you know, they will win another game this year. Angels fans uh, don't think that they will finish the season, whatever, you know, 21 and 141. That's not going to happen. But they, the players need, at some point, the reality for every professional sports team is the manager's the scapegoat. The players have to do their jobs. And the players have not been performing to the level that you would want or expect them to in Anaheim slash Los Angeles. And so Joe Madden's going to wear it uh, for now. And we'll see what else they can come up with. If, you know, if Nickelback's not going to get them off the schneid, I don't know what will. Maybe a good band. Um, but maybe maybe they should be uh, playing the Rolling Stones because there's plenty of doom and gloom in Anaheim right now. Well, all right. So hold on that because I had two questions going to ask and I'm forgetting about the first one. So I'll tell you what, what I'm going to do. Oh, all right. Here's the first one. Um, Madden, old guy up there. You think he takes a nice long break here? Do you think he's going to still coach? I don't know. I think he's going to take some time. Okay. Second question. Um, okay, you want to elaborate on that? No, I just, I, I, I think, you know, he, he got Tampa to a World Series. He ended a biblical drought in Chicago. Um, you know, some people were fairly surprised that he moved to Anaheim as quickly as he did. Maybe he'll surprise us and go somewhere else, but he has nothing left to prove. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, though some would argue that now he has something that he needs to prove because he was handed the best two players on the planet and didn't get it done. Uh, maybe, maybe he'll coach the Edmonton Oilers, same situation, but he, uh, I don't know that he wants to sprint back right now. And I think he'll take some time and, and weigh his options in the off season. And we'll see, you know, how the game feels about, you know, his mad scientist approach as well, because that, doesn't rub every front office the right way. Some organizations like lineup consistency want the guys that they're paying a lot of money to bat third, fourth, and fifth every single day and play third center and DH slash pitch every single day. So, you know, we'll see. But I, I would imagine that Madden probably sits the rest of this year out and then you know, sees what options present themselves in the off season, because there could be some other marquee jobs, Boston, that could open up that maybe intrigue him. Yes, he does. Um, I mean, he's like I said, he's, he's a great manager and you, you nailed it. He doesn't really have anything to prove. And you, and you just kind of wonder where a guy at in his career at his age, you know, so I guess it maybe comes down to ego. You know, does he want to go out like this where he gets fired? Does it matter to him? Is he, you know, going home now, hanging out with the family, having a nice drink and just kind of take it easy, enjoy the rest of the summer and just say, hey, I don't need this anymore? Or, you know, does he have that ego saying, hey, look, I ain't going out like this. I want to prove to everybody that I can go out a winner again. 
but we'll wait and find out. So, Tab, here's the other thing, uh, both reflecting on the good and the bad this week with both managerial changes, uh, both with what I was bringing up about, um, you know, what the GMs here do, obviously uh, both different situations, but somewhat similar in terms of where Philly and L.A. are right now. Both are nine and a half back in their division. But when you look at the wild card, they're both only three and a half back out of a wild card spot. And we have the extra wild card spot this year for everybody. It has to be a huge game changer for GMs, for teams, to how they're looking at what they need to do between now, say the trading deadline, and beyond, and then looking at who else they got to play up with in the rest of the um, league, you know, National League and, and American League, respectively. So when you look at, say, Philly kind of turning the things here around a little bit, and if they can kin- continue it to go, that maybe you're not necessarily looking so much to maybe either stay pace with the, the, the Braves or even catch the Mets. The Phillies can maybe just say, hey, let's stay healthy, let's stay good here, and let's just pl- continue to play good baseball, and let's just get in the playoffs. Angels, same thing. You know, equally, a lot of talent on uh, on the Phillies roster. Same thing with uh, the Angels. Uh, we haven't, we we don't know yet with the Angels what kind of change they're going to make here. But if they stay in the mix, and I guess obviously this could go for all the teams in the league right now that are in the pack with, with regards to the wild cards. But when you have teams making huge changes like this, firing the managers, it's it's a whole new. I hate to use the term, but it's a whole new ball game here, Tab. Now because it's a different look with the new playoff system. And again, me and you are hockey guys. It's kind of like how the regular season in the NHL is. Is all you got to do is stay close, get in the wild card, get a playoff stop, playoff spot, and then once you get in, uh, everybody's got a fair chance, no matter where you line up uh, against the you know the top seeds, um, you know in the conference. So now baseball has a little bit of that hockey thing going on right now with the na- the way the new wild card uh, set the playoff setup is with the additional wild card. So what's your take there as far as just taking the Phillies and the Angels? They're both nine and a half out as far as division leaders, but they're only three and a half back out of a wild card spot in June. Well, I I think you need to have a very honest conversation about who they're looking up at in their respective leagues. Um, When you look at the National League picture with the Phillies, you know, the West is really strong right now. I think it'll continue to be strong, but you also have the reality that they will beat each other up. And the, the the Mets, as we talked about, you know, the injuries have opened the door for teams to hang around a little bit longer. The Marlins have underwhelmed and the Braves have not really run away from anybody. So I think if you're the Phillies, you're like, yeah, you know what? There's a second spot there. If we can right this ship, we had a bad losing streak. We're not buried. So we've got plenty of time to make it up. We talked about the Braves last year being, you know, chasing a wild card spot and then somehow winning the division with a record that, you know, wouldn't have gotten them in probably anywhere else and winning the World Series. So in the postseason of baseball, anything can happen. So I think if you're the Phillies, you look around, you're like, okay, so our division really, the Mets look good. The Braves won it last year, but there's 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 an opportunity there and if we make the right moves when we can and need to at the deadline and an ownership group that clearly has no problem spending money then maybe we have an opportunity so if you're the Phillies even though I don't like the roster construction as it stands today I think that they can be a little bit more optimistic Um, if you look at the Angels situation 
you have a Seattle team that is starting to figure it out and their young guys are starting to get it. The Astros aren't going away. And when you look at the East, the Red Sox are starting to put it together, but they've been bad. And the Blue Jays and Rays aren't going anywhere. And so I think if you're the Angels, I mean, look, the Angels have young guys, again, that have not come up and done what you need them to do. And if Joe Adele had come up and done what Julio Rodriguez is doing in Seattle, I'd feel a heck of a lot better about them. But they're still waiting for some of their young pitching to get there. And so they're kind of in a rock and a hard place where they're trying to get the Rendones and Trouts and Otanis of the world to stay at the highest level while they get these young guys ready to go as fast as humanly possible so that they can jump in and make an impact. But the question is, does that happen this year? And with a new GM, you wonder how he feels about the way the roster was constructed before he arrived and what he does to mix up the overall dynamic there and what options he really has. Because like Philadelphia, Artie Moreno's got no problem writing a check, right? Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll, he'll pay whatever he needs to to go win games. And he's paid a lot of money to the wrong people to not win games over the last 10, 15 years. So, uh, so I think you, you need to have really a, almost a full organizational reset in Anaheim slash Los Angeles with the angels where the new GM is now trying to determine what his vision for the franchise is and where it goes from here with the understanding that you've got some massive money being spent. So what do you do around that to augment the superstar power and paychecks that you already have in the room to try and compete. But I, I feel like if I was going to say one of them has a shot at a wild card, I'd, I would actually feel better right now about the Phillies with Wheeler and Nola at the top of the rotation and just the offense that they have than I do about the Angels because I don't know that the Angels outside of three or four guys are going to hit the ball well. And outside of anybody they're going to throw the ball well so and the reality here is that offense wins games more times than not it'll it if you can hit the ball you can end up 500 and I feel like that's kind of where Philly's at if half of your lineup doesn't hit the ball consistently and you have massive pitching problems if you can't hit the pitching's got to carry the mail if you want to get in the playoffs and you want to do damage and the Angels have half a lineup that's not hitting and they've got a pitching staff that doesn't carry the mail and that's where they're at you lose 14 straight and have almost half of them are by one run it's because you're not closing the deal and so the reality in Anaheim for me is that even with an additional wild card team you know they might feel like there's there are some obvious tweaks and if they go get one or two guys that do this or that it's going to change the dynamic but you don't go get numbers one two and three in a rotation at the trade deadline and that's kind of what they need yeah. Now, if the Cubs feel like moving on from a Kyle Hendricks, who's not having a very good year, you know, maybe he could be a guy that comes out there and slots into a two, three spot in their rotation. But again, that's going to cost big time because Kyle Hendricks has been a really good pitcher for years and he's got a really good team friendly pay number. So uh, you just, you, you struggle to see how, and again, if you're the angels, I don't think you want to undermine the growth curve that you have as an organization with how you've drafted and how you're trying to develop the guys that are coming. So it's a rock and a hard place and you don't want to have interim seasons 
when you've got Mike Trout not getting younger and Otani not getting younger. You don't want to waste big-time money years in the primes of these guys' careers. But I think you also don't want to be foolish and mortgage what could be a really strong roster in a couple years for the sake of trying to fix something now. And so it's going to be really interesting to see what both of the GMs do there because I think one in Anaheim is trying to craft what he believes the the organization should look like. And in Philly, you've got a GM who is really fighting for his own job still. Uh, and so you've got one guy that might be making moves to try and save his own tail and the other one who's trying to build an organizational philosophy and an, an approach to roster construction. So very different situations. But I actually feel better about the Phillies as a potential wildcard team right now today than I do about the Angels. Yeah, and I think you make a good point, too, in terms of uh, you know who the Phillies are looking up at as opposed to who the Angels are looking up at as far as getting into the wild card or getting that last spot. But I'll tell you what, man, the, uh, it'll be interesting when we get back here the first week uh, of August to see um, you know, where a lot of these teams are, are kind of hanging around um, in the league uh, you know, with uh, you know, just a, a month, almost two months left in the season to go and, and a lot of baseball coming up between now and then. Um, to see uh, who are the, who are the uh, who's here for real, who's going all the way, who's making the moves, and who's healthy, obviously. And who knows? We might even have a couple more firings to look forward to, Tab, depending on what happens. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. All right. Well, we'll see. But now, folks, it's time to get out those pens and pads. It's time to email your good friends Tab and Paul at Line Drive Radio if you have any success in your fantasy baseball league, especially after Tab gives you your fantasy end of the week. Take it away, Mr. Benford. What do you got for us this week? You know, one thing that we love here at Line Drive Radio is players that succeed after leaving the city of St. Louis. And when you look at what Randy Rosarena has done in Tampa and then Adolis Garcia down in Texas, Look, the Cardinals aren't hurting for outfielders, uh, so you, you get it. They dealt from a position of depth. It's like when the Cubs moved Glaber Torres to chase it, they already had Edis Russell and Javier Baez at that time. So is there talent there? Yeah, but you move them because you think that you can do better. But a former Cardinals prospect this week um, has been pretty flipping good. Uh, Lane Thomas, an outfielder with uh, your Washington Nationals, uh, has a 500 on base percentage in the last week. That's right, kids. Uh, half of the time that he steps to the plate, he's getting on. Pretty good. Uh, nine for 19 uh, batting-wise with three homers and only two strikeouts in the past week. So this is a dude that's putting the ball in play, and he's doing some damage with it. Uh, he's owned in only 6, 0.6% of Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. And so if you're looking for somebody who's – absolutely white hot right now on a team that's not really doing much else other than Juan Soto. Uh, your fa- line drive radio fantasy ad of the week, uh, go to the nation's capital and look at Lane Thomas, uh, a, an outfielder for your Washington Nationals. There you go. Put in the books. Put them in your lineup, folks. Win some money. Lane Thomas, that, that to me is more of a hockey name, Lane Thomas, than it is a or off, Or maybe offensive lineman. Yeah. I, I could see Lane Thomas being a guard for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. I like it. I, I, I agree. I agree. But uh, good good, good stuff there. Lane Thomas, 
outfield. Put them in there, folks. Win some money, and then whatever you win, send to me and Tab with love. Because that's what it's all about here. Tab, before we say goodbye, I would like to show some uh, respect and give some attention uh, to the amazing women of the college uh, softball World Series. Uh, game one kicked oh, off yeah. last night. And the Lady Sooners and the Lady Longhorns, two the, the two best teams in the country. Wow. Uh, not only throwing the high heat from the mound, but um, the Sooner ladies, woo, crushing the ball. It, it's a lot of fun. I love watching uh, – women's softball i think it's great and i also love like it's one of the reasons i'm so happy my daughter now is playing uh softball too for her um her school as well and in fact they had their last game yesterday and all the girls were crying their eyes out because it was the last game the last game of the season and they were done and that's how much they loved it this year how how much they love playing and they're all excited about playing next year but pal um these these women are amazing uh incredible talents you got to tune in. It's on ESPN. I love ESPN, giving it, um, you know, just great coverage. There's two channels. Uh, I think there's um, a, a dais of, I think, like five or six uh, former, uh, you know, uh, women's softball players who played before champions and everything else, and they, they kind of do like a side kind of uh, commentary of the game. It's great stuff, but I love the game, man. It's a lot of action, a lot of fun, and these girls are incredibly talented. And, man, when they run off some of the stats of the regular season – Especially the women in uh, Oklahoma here for this team, oh. uh, just brilliant. Juggernaut, but, uh, yeah. Just uh, want to get your comments on that, and I just wanted to give them some attention, and I want to ask everybody out there tune in and try and watch this series before it's over. Yeah, the College World Series for both baseball and softball is is great, and what I think we both love about college sports is that a lot of these young folks are playing knowing that it could be the last time they ever put on a helmet and a glove and swing a bat with it meaning anything more than where they're going for beers after the game. Yep. And so the emotion and the drama is absolutely real. Um, it is the best reality television that you can find. And they're going to put literally everything out. With all due respect to Major League Baseball, in June, you know that you've got 100 games left on the calendar. And if you strike out, it's not the end of the world. For some of these young men and women, it is the end of the world. It could be the end of their career. And you don't want your the game that you've played since you were four, five, and six years old to end the wrong way, whether it be with a strikeout, a flyout, a groundout, a loss, giving up a tater, whatever. You don't want it to end that way. And so I'm absolutely with you, Paul, and thank you for bringing that up because ESPN is doing a great job producing the games and making you aware of some of the really incredible special generational talent that's playing softball right now. Um, and so, yes, by all means, if you enjoy baseball, you should enjoy softball too. Uh, and what these girls are doing is absolutely amazing. So go watch it, invest your time in it. It's totally worth it. And it's great. And also heartbreaking at the same time to see the emotions when the final out comes to a, a close because you know how much it means to these young folks. And as somebody that never got that moment, I played college football for three years and retired because of a bad back. You know, I never had that final horn going and knowing that my career was over. I, I stepped away after my junior season ended. And, uh, and so knowing how much it means to those college athletes to be able to put in 
four or five complete years and really invest. And with baseball and softball right now, let's not sugarcoat also that these young men and women have played through an awful time to be a college baseball and softball player because of the pandemic. And two years ago, they lost pretty much an entire season um, and they've dealt with all of the needed health requirements and everything else to get back on the field. So, um, so tune in ESPN's doing a great job producing the games, great drama, incredible athleticism, definitely worth your time. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, the Sooners last night with a big 16 to one win against, uh, the Longhorns and game two potential championship game here for Oklahoma, uh, seven tonight on ESPN two. And it's also going to be live streamed. And if Texas obviously knots it up tonight, the game three final will be on Friday. So, uh, definitely check it out. Great broadcast, great talent. I love it. Watch it, support it. And, uh, don't forget about the ladies cause they can play ball. Just as good as the boys can. All good Hell stuff. Hell yeah. All right, buddy. Before we uh, turn the lights off, close down the concessions, lock the gates, and turn the sprinklers on, it's time to say adieu to all of you wonderful listeners. Uh, for me personally, I just want to thank you guys every week for tuning in and listening. And make sure you follow us everywhere at Long Drive Radio. Tell a friend or two. Please subscribe. And uh, big thanks to our uh our family at Revolver Podcast Networks for having us part of the team. So, Tab, please, say goodbye to folks. Uh, ladies, gentlemen, uh, children of all ages, thank you for joining us uh, as you head into what is hopefully a beautiful weekend. Make sure that you enjoy the weather responsibly. Uh, take care of each other. Grab a glove. Grab a ball. Go out. Throw it around. Uh, take some BP. Play some games. Uh, tune in to watch softball, baseball, uh, watch the games, play the games, and just enjoy uh, baseball and enjoy each other. Nicely said, Mr. Manfred. All right, folks, Line Drive Radio is out. So until then, continue to play ball. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.